full LIRR service to Grand Central opened today. The East Side Access Project to give commuters direct service into eastern Manhattan has been decades in the making. Governor Hochul spoke at the new Terminal Grand Central Madison. The day has finally arrived when we start focusing on the needs of our commuters. Hard-working men and women looking to get to their jobs or get back home with their families. And again, we're making a positive difference in the lives of everyday New Yorkers. The new terminal is expected to add almost 300 trains to the schedule, which is about a third of service coming into Grand Central. But some LIRR riders are concerned about their commute times becoming longer headed into Grand Central because there's no longer a timed transfer between Long Island and Brooklyn. Hey, happy Monday. You're listening to After All Things, WSHU's daily news update from the Connecticut, New York region. West Haven's financial director steps down amid a possible state takeover. New legislation would create an English Learners Bill of Rights in Connecticut. And are your recyclables actually getting recycled? Those stories and more are coming up. I'm Sabrina Garone. Finance problems continue to plague the city of West Haven. As WSHU's Shelley Hassman Kadish reports, the city finance director is stepping down. Finance Director Scott Jackson announced last week he is leaving the post after less than a year. A statement put out by the city said Jackson has decided to move forward in his public service career. The announcement comes a year after his predecessor, Frank Saplinski, was fired. West Haven, which has had long-standing financial problems, came under state scrutiny after a former state lawmaker and city employee were convicted of stealing more than $1.2 million in recent years. The possibility of a state takeover is under discussion by the Municipality Accountability Review Board, which works under the State Office of Policy and Management. The city was placed under the highest level of state oversight last year. Shelley Hassman Kadish, WSHU News. Governor Lamont is proposing legislation to protect Connecticut students learning English as a second language. He visited Bridgeport today, where around 4,200 students are English language learners. WSHU's Molly Ingram has more. The English Learners' Bill of Rights would establish better communication between school and home and allow students to transfer if their district does not have proper classes. i got to make sure that uh, each and every one of your kids know they are welcome in our schools. No questions asked. Come forward. I want mom and dad to be able to communicate with the teacher. Make sure um, they have all the information they need to get the very best out of education. Lamont says Connecticut kids should be guaranteed a good education, no matter what language they speak. Almost 50,000 students in the state study English as a second language. The bill has been referred to the Education Committee. Molly Ingram, WSHU News. Yale's new art exhibit investigates the impact of humans on nature. The Natural Histories exhibit features paintings that are primarily New England landscapes from the 19th century to learn about how these environments have changed over time. Mark Mitchell is the gallery's curator. By using that as a lens in a time when we're very sensitive to the changes to the climate that are going on around us, it is really a chance for us to think differently about the history of art and how it 
records relationships to the natural world that perhaps we haven't put first. The exhibit is currently on display at the Yale University Art Gallery in New Haven. Trash haulers in Connecticut have been seen mixing trash with recyclables. A look at what really happens to your recycled items after headlines and a message from our supporter. Support for After All Things comes from Hartford HealthCare. More COVID vaccine answers at hartfordhealthcare.org slash vaccine or 833-621-0600. Suffolk County has squashed an idea to house homeless men at a motel in Copig. Officials said it would have placed an unfair burden on Town of Babylon services and worried about the motel's proximity to a school. The plan would have housed over half of Babylon's 200 homeless men, along with 60 others who've been at an East Farmingdale motel since November. The fire department in East Farmingdale says they get three to four calls a day from that motel that involve drug overdoses or violent situations. 70 students at Connecticut College will lock themselves in key buildings on campus starting today to ramp up pressure on the school board of trustees to oust their president, Catherine Bergeron. The goal is to close the day-to-day -day business at the college. The protests are in response to a canceled school fundraiser at a Florida club facing allegations of racism and anti-Semitism. The school's chief diversity officer has also resigned in protest. On Long Island, Huntington Town will raise fees for parks, beaches, and other recreational activities this year. The fee increases range from $0.50 cents to $50, depending on the activity. The goal is to hire more staff for competitive wages after town officials say they were forced to cut programs last year due to staffing shortages. That includes lifeguards, ice rink attendants, camp counselors, and more. You've gone through the effort of separating your recyclables and you think you're doing something good for the environment, but what really happens after you've put those cans and bottles out to be collected? Is Connecticut recycling going in the trash? Mark Pazniokas is the Connecticut Mirror's Capital Bureau Chief and co-founder. He spoke with WSHU's Davis Donovan about the future of Connecticut's waste disposal technology. You say some of Connecticut residents' recycling has been going in the trash. Tell us how you found that out. So the quasi-public authority that used to run a trash energy plant in Hartford, they're still in business. They collect waste from towns and recycling, and they have contractual obligations to make sure certain levels of waste are delivered to places they contract to have it go to. And the same is true of recycling. And they noticed at one of their transfer stations in Essex, that the amount of waste had dropped precipitously. So they sent some trash cops out there. They actually have a staff of four people. When the need arises, we'll go out and they will follow garbage trucks and recycling trucks and put them under surveillance. And what they observed, recycling bins being emptied into trash trucks and then the other issue is one, it's a little bit more esoteric. It's the legal principle of flow control, which all that means is 
these haulers are contracted to bring the trash and recyclables to certain facilities. And what they found was some of the haulers were bringing the stuff elsewhere where they could get rid of it a little bit more cheaply. But again, it was in violation of a contract. Now, the big picture here is when it comes to flow control, which, you know, listeners may wonder, like, why do we care where it goes as long as it's appropriately taken care of? The bigger issue is the state of Connecticut right now is poised to look at what is the new generation of waste disposal technology. And one of the fundamental pieces of any system you do is whatever the state decides on, whether it's a new generation of waste to energy plants, you need to guarantee a certain flow of tonnage to these places. So, you know, in short, trash is uh, the equivalent of money in this, uh, in this world of recycling and disposing of trash. So why would they do that? Why would these waste haulers be mixing trash and recycling? Well, it mirror the um, quasi-public authority, the Materials Innovation and uh, Resource Authority. They uh, speculate that there's a couple things going on here, and some of the so, and these are smaller haulers on some residential routes. And the speculation is, in some cases, it's just cheaper to have one truck go out than to have uh, a separate truck. In other cases, it can be cheaper depending on the uh, commodity prices of recyclables. It can be cheaper in some parts of the state, they say, to actually dump the recyclables in with the trash. Yeah, typically is not the case because, you know, the recyclables can be, you know, when they're sorted, they can be uh, sold as commodities and that offsets the price of getting rid of them. But that seems to be what's going on. The other thing that kind of came out of this story is the fact that the State Department of Energy and Environmental really doesn't have much of an enforcement arm looking at this kind of thing. They have a small field compliance staff that's also responsible for enforcing hazardous waste laws. And, you know, that gets a priority over whether or not the blue bin stuff is going to the right place as opposed to keeping track of how hazardous waste is uh, is being handled in the state of Connecticut. And you also mentioned that MIRA, the Materials Innovation and Recycling Authority, you mentioned its future is, well, uncertain. Why is that? Well, because its primary reason for existing is the trashed energy plant in the South Meadows, which closed last July. And it still has contracts with a couple dozen municipalities to process the trash. So they have they still have two transfer stations. And the trash from there, since they no longer have um, a disposal facility, some of it goes to a smaller burn plant in Preston, Connecticut. And then the rest of it gets shipped out of state, mainly to Pennsylvania. And so eventually this thing is going to go out of business um, because, again, there is no reason for it to exist. There is a bill before the General Assembly that would create a waste authority as kind of a transitional entity that would take charge of the abandoned trashed energy plant in Hartford because, you know, there's a lot of cleanup that needs to go on there. This has been 
a place where waste has been going for a long time, and there's certainly some issues there, and it, and it will be of some expense. So this is part of a, really a larger story that's unfolding in Connecticut about the Lamont administration wanting to push the state into a new direction that would help it reduce and perhaps eventually eliminate the need to send trash out of state. The current projections are there's going to be about 860,000 tons of trash from Connecticut that are going to end up in Ohio and Pennsylvania, either by truck or by rail. And the administration wants the state to be more self-sufficient. But exactly how you do that, I mean, some of it is they will try to divert trash from the waste stream. You know, there's a proposal to mandate the separation of food scraps and other organics and have them processed in Connecticut into compost and other things. There is, again, also this idea of what's the next generation of technology, whether it's uh, a new round of waste to energy plants that, you know, where you incinerate trash and you generate electricity, or is there something else? Um, There are gasification plants that produce fuels. There's anaerobic digesters that take these food scraps and other organics and turn into compost. And they also generate gas that can be turned into fuels. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Mark Pazniokas is the Connecticut Mirror's Capital Bureau Chief and co-founder. He joined us to talk about his article, Is Connecticut Recycling Going Into the Trash? Some Haulers Caught in the Act. I'm Davis Donovan. For the latest news from Long Island and Connecticut, you can listen on the radio or anytime online at WSHU.org or with the WSHU app. After All Things is supported by Hartford HealthCare. And just like everything else you hear on WSHU, this podcast is also made possible with the generous support of our listeners. So thank you so much for, well, listening and for sharing this podcast with your friends and family. I'm Sabrina Garone. Drive safely if you're out and about tonight. I'll talk to you tomorrow.